Hello, everyone, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease and author of the book that shares the same name of this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more, and this podcast will provide you with what worked for me. Success stories of people that have been through hard times, whatever that might be, and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. I hope you've been able to catch the first few interviews, including Michelle Tafoya of NBC Sports and Sunday Night Football fame, where we talk about infertility and adoption, or last week's episode on job transitions with the WNBA's Katie Smith. And today's episode is about the importance of connection and finding pockets of joy when going through hardship. TV personality, author of Pockets of Joy, and motivational speaker Roxanne Battle is no stranger to stressful situations. She raised her son as a single mom with an intense career. Now she's experiencing a deep loss as her father is in his late stages of dementia. Through this all, she shares wise words on how finding connection and making memories can be incredibly helpful when going through hard times. She's motivational and funny too. So grab your favorite drink, get cozy in your chair, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. It is Karen Sullivan, and I am here today with Roxanne Battle. I am so excited, if you don't know her already, to introduce you to her. Uh, If you're from Minneapolis, St. Paul area... You will know she is a veteran TV journalist. She spent 20 years at CARE 11, and she would cover stories, whether they were locally or she would travel to cover those newsmakers or the big names, even some big name celebrities out there. But her gift beyond storytelling and beyond just being a bright woman that has always, for as long as I've watched her, for as long as I have seen her, is been her ability to connect. If Mm. you watch her on TV, whether she was uh, anchoring with Pat Evans or she was doing a hard news story, you feel like she is there doing this for you. She is so authentic and wise with her words that she does. I can say it as somebody who watched her living in Minneapolis, as well as somebody who got to know her as a friend and working together in that town, that she really is spectacular. Now, she did all this while being a single mom, and she also was so involved in the community both then and now, which is why I'm so excited that our careers or our personal lives, whatever you might say, brought us full circle together She got a national book publishing deal, and now Pockets of Joy is award-winning, and you can get it wherever books are sold, nationally and internationally. And she is an even bigger force speaking about positivity, transitions, resiliency. And I will tell you, she always tries to see the glass full, 
And that is why she is somebody that I've always been drawn to. And I'm so excited that she is here to share some of her wise words and love of life with everybody here. Thank you so much, Roxanne, for joining us. Thank you, Karen. Gosh, I'm blushing. I was like, who is she talking about? Is that me? Oh, of course. (laughs) Of course. Oh, you're very, very kind in your introduction. I really do appreciate that. I I know the fact that you said that I connect with people, I I just think that's such a great compliment. I mean, because, you know, we're just wired for connections as human beings and we all crave that. So if you you remember me from all those many moons ago uh, when I was on the air here locally in Minneapolis as being someone, a public figure or a television personality who could connect with people. That's just such a great compliment. It's very, very kind of you. I I don't know about the spectacular though. You haven't haven't seen me on a bad hair day, but if you say, if you say so, Karen, we'll we'll go for it. Oh, Roxanne. I, I, I've always thought that of you, even before I knew you there, there is something and, and, you know, maybe now we call it that authenticity that. Yes, exactly. Right. You have the ability though, though, you know, like we, like, you know, like life wasn't always easy. Life still Mm -hmm. never is 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 all easy but you had a way of making us feel like whether it was the morning show or whether it was you know evening news or some of the stories that you would tell you had a way with and connecting is the perfect word is is and I think that's why the community just embraced you and I know that's a big deal for you as well but um so many people know you I obviously will sing your praises I'd love for you to share with us, though, something about Roxanne Battle. What can you tell us that may not be as popularly known, just to get the listeners here to get to know you in a different way? I am a, I'm the queen of mac and cheese. I am. I have this recipe that my family is trying to, they've asked me to leave it in my will, actually. Oh, <laughs> and do they not know it I now? I won't share. I won't share my mac and oh, cheese recipe. Wow. <laughs> And you know what's really, really interesting is I am i don't eat dairy anymore, <laughs> so I'll make it for them, but I, I I don't partake of my own, you know, secret mac and cheese I recipe anymore. I will challenge anymore. you, though, is yeah. maybe we've got a vegan mac and cheese, a cashew, yeah. you know, like, I, I've, I've tried a number of them, and some of them, I mean, cashew cheese is actually really good. Is it so really? It, it is really good. Some of the other nut cheeses uh, I don't think are, are so good, but, you know, maybe you have a future in trying that out. I love that you still make, you know, your your secret recipe for them, but it's, yeah. it can be a little more challenging to cook, although it sounds like you've made it so much when, um, yeah, when you're I, not I tasting even, it. Yeah, I don't even use a recipe anymore. I just know a dash of this, a dash of that, this and that, and there we go. We're off to the races. Have you uh, have you always been vegan, so, Karen? I have not always been vegan. I mm-hmm. back in the days, and and you can laugh at this. Is back in the days when, uh, when when I was in Minneapolis working, and we worked a bit together. I used to be the queen of just junk food. Yeah, and you know maybe it was diet Dr Pepper or baked Lay's or sugar free oh frozen gosh. yogurt. I thought I was doing. Oh my gosh! I thought I was doing myself justice, but no, it was um you know. After my second cancer diagnosis, I decided that I was going to, um, you know, that I decided to eat healthy. Um, however, part of that was to go vegan, and now I'm I'm largely vegan. But, mm-hmm. but I think I'm a. I think I am. I would probably say a pescatarian in that I try not to eat 
uh, meat that much. I, um, but I do love fish, particularly salmon, um, and uh, love, love, love the veggies and and um, and such. And but I haven't given up dairy completely. I mean, I do like a good pat of butter every now and then (laughs) all 100 calories right right no nutrient (laughs) value but that's okay if you're eating it and you're enjoying it some of it is about you know like enjoying life however we do that that's very very true and you and you know and you had the thing with the the lays and the dr pepper I remember back when at the TV station during break, you know, if we got a break or when it was so hectic and I was starving, I'd run to the vending machine. And you, do you know what my snack of choice was? It, those um, pretzels? No, no, worse, even worse, worse. even uh, worse, even worse. Uh, it was the the pies. Those, oh yeah, those apple pies. Yeah, those apple they, pies. Who made those? I, I was. I can't forget the. I forget the brand, but they came in apple, blueberry, and cherry. Yes. And I would actually put those in the microwave and think I had a treat. You know, it was like a quarter inch of thick cardboard. Oh my- you know, dough, you know, and then it was glazed over with like this crystallized sugar. And then the inside was just this, this gooey oh, yeah. content that passed for pie. But, oh, my gosh. And, I, I mean, that was that was my thing. And to think that you didn't have like a sugar crash on air with that. Right. 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 What they, if they knew then what they knew now, they would be packing in like beans and rice and you know bananas, <laughs> right? To to give you guys good fuel. Yeah, yeah. I found a good vegan yogurt made with coconut milk that I really like, and that's really really good. So well, yeah. So so tell me, okay? I love. I mean, you know, I love talking about food, uh, especially I love reminiscing about the good old days and the silly horrible foods I used to eat. Uh, I think we all can kind of jump on that bandwagon sometimes, like, you know, make fun of where we've evolved. Yes. So we've Uh, all evolved, hopefully healthily. Right. Right. So uh, tell us like when it comes to hardship, so your book is Mm -hmm. pockets of joy and I want you to be able to tell everybody about it. I want you first to share. We've all had a number of hardships in our lives and I'd love for you to share uh, one of your hardships and how you're getting getting through it. Yeah, mo- most recently, yeah, we can talk about the book uh, a little bit, but the most recent personal hardship that I, I've been dealing with is that my, my father, my 83-year-old father, uh, is in the later stages of dementia. He has Louis Wadi's dementia. And I went by to visit him on this past weekend. And for the first time in my life, he didn't know my name. Uh, he was still loving and kind yeah. and gentle. But, you know, when I looked at him and I said, I love you, Dad. And he just looked at me and I could see he was looking in my eyes, trying to make th- that connection. Like, who is she? And then very wow. gently he said, love you. Um, and so, you know, I'm just sort of reeling from that. And I, then I go back. I go back and I think about why and, and the coping mechanism for that hardship for me, Karen, yeah. are memories. Uh, and that's why it's so important to create memories with the people that you love because that's what sustains you. I was talking to an end-of-life coach and she was telling me that the mind may forget, but the heart 
the heart remembers love. And I thought about her words this past weekend when I was with my father. I, he knows that there's love between he and I. Okay. He can feel it. I could yeah. see it in his eyes. But he was struggling to make the connection of just who I was. And so what sustains me again are the memories. And I know when he was first diagnosed a couple of years ago, you know, we made, you know, we made concerted attempts to go over and spend time and laugh. Mm-hmm. I remember many, many, many Saturday nights sitting at the dining room table at his, my parents' home playing checkers, just me and my dad. And then, you know, one day I took a trip, uh, one year I took a trip to, um, to London and, and over there they called checkerboard games drafts, D-A-U-G-H-T-S. Uh-huh. So, and I saw it in a gift shop and I bought a, a, a box of drafts home and I, from London. I said, dad, I bought you checkers from London. And we would sit on Saturday nights and we'd play that. We'd play checkers, just the two of us. And my mom would, you know, make us tea. And I actually have a photograph of us sitting there drinking tea, mm. uh, playing drafts. And so I have that memory. And then, um, one of the last Father's Day gifts I bought him, I, I went out a couple summers ago and bought a um, a Weber grill, brand spanking new, with uh-huh. all the all the utensils and accessories, and then stopped by the store and got uh, barbecue, you know, meat to grill or whatever. And um, and because my dad, when we were growing up, he loved to grill, uh-huh. love, 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 love to grill, and so. Uh, we came over and we set the grill up and my son is, he's a good grill master. He got the coals going like lickety split. Yeah. Like, how did you do that? Right. You know? And so, and then we, we started grilling and my dad smelled the smoke from the grill and he started walking around the house, getting his shoes. And my mother helped him get his shoes on and he got his cane and he came out and he put a set of chair in the close proximity to the grill. And he started eating the barbecue as it came off the grill. And then he started chatting about the, the, you know, when we were children, we would swim in the pool and he would grill and his nieces and nephews would come over. And Karen, I tell you, like 10 years seemed to like fall off of him. The the smell from the the barbecue grill helped him connect to a previous time in his life. And um, so I have that memory. And then, um, and then right around Christmas, I uh, went to visit him and he uh, he looked at me and he said very, very plainly, Roxanne, I love you. I love you, Roxanne. I love you. And so even though he may not be able to call me by my name anymore, I have I, 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 I have those three memories to sustain me as I continue down this path. I mean, it's hard. And it's sad, I, and it's a sense of loss. I can't but imagine. But I have, you know, but I have those memories, and that's what I'm going to cling to. And I, you know, I have the checkerboard, and the, you know, and yeah. I have, and I know, and and the memory is that what you said in the intro, Karen, and that is that we connected. That I know that in these later stages of my dad's illness and his life, that he and I connected. Wow, how is it? I mean, it's beautiful when you mentioned your son, Jared, was there at the grill. Yeah. And so he's a part of this memory. It's, it's not, it's your father, but it's your extended family. It's your son. You're, you've got them all involved. Can you talk to me a little bit about the support that you get or that you give? Yeah. Because this mm-hmm. is, it's not just mm-hmm. about 
you here. It's it's other people mm-hmm. that you're close with. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Support is everything when when we're going through hardship. I mean, I mean that's just one like one of the top indicators of of being able to make it through. I just saw on Twitter how. Uh, Alex Trebek has yeah. reached his one-year anniversary with pancreatic cancer, and there's an 18% chance that he would meet that 18, you know, that he'd meet that one-year anniversary. And he said that there were times when he was really depressed and he was in a lot of pain and he felt like giving up, but he said he couldn't give up because it was a, he felt it would be a betrayal to the millions of people who yeah. had prayed for him and to his spouse, his wife, who was there by his side the whole time. And I think that story is just a really great indication of how key support from loved ones is when we're going through times of difficulty. I never go over to visit my parents without bringing my son. Okay. He always comes with me. He He always comes with me because I want because we are creating memories and, and time is slipping away and things are fading. And I want Jarrett to bear witness to this family and these later stages so that we are creating memories together because when transitions occur, we'll still have each other to support yeah, us right, in right, that transition. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. So, and how is your mom with this? Are you... You know, you know, my mom is a very spry 82-year-old. She's got the energy of a 60-year-old. Uh, she, you know, she is 110% devoted to the care and well-being of my dad. Uh, my mother is an angel. And um, she, you know, and that's another blessing in that. That goes, talks about, you know, support in that she, um, she's there for him. She took care of him. He's still at home right now. Yeah. You know, he's being cared for at home and, and she's right there with him. And I think that's a blessing for my entire family, just that my father is comfortable and he's surrounded by what his home and people who love him. And, um, you know, I think memories is one thing that gets you through these hardships and these okay. difficult times and, and, um, support, support of, yeah. of, yeah, support of friends and family. Um, it's, 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 it's everything. Can you tell me about, any, like, obviously this is stressful. I mean, it's got to be stressful, whether you're, you know, as his daughter or as a mother to your own son and just the whole family connection. Are there any routines that when you're going through, whether it's this stress or any stress that have helped you during, you know, that are making, making this that's a, great question. a little easier or others that, for that yeah, matter? That, you know, that's a, you know, and that's a really great question, Karen. And yes, there's something because, you know, I, you know, we're both type A chicas, right? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done. We're going to get right. through it. Right, um, right. And, um, you know, I think that, yes, there is a, co- the coping me- mechanism that I have identified during this really stressful time of hardship is what are my triggers uh, that would take me into a state of anxiety okay. um, because you can't really function well when you're right. like totally stressed out. And so what are the stories I'm telling myself in my head? And when I feel myself starting to get worked up and anxious, just to pause for a moment, breathe, take a beat yeah. and then enter back in. And then you can only do what you can do. And so recognizing the triggers, taking a beat, 
pausing and realizing all I can control right now is today. I think I get, and so for me, I get really, really anxious when I project into the future. What is this going to happen? And when is this going to happen? And how will I be? And how, how's this going to be taken care of? And what's going to happen uh, to the house and my mom and, you know, all of that. Yeah. I mean, there's some, some, you have to be prudent really and, and responsible, but you, all you have right now is today. And so just taking it, it sounds cliche, but it's my coping mechanism. And that's taking it a day at a time or eating the elephant one bite at a time. <laughs> What a gross, that's really kind of a gross analogy, isn't it? I heard somebody say that once. Ew, yeah. you don't eat elephants, right? right? But but taking it just one step at a time. Well, and I think that goes with your philosophy on pockets of joy. I think yeah. it's so beautiful. And I, I hate to use the word perfect because we, you know, we used it too much in our type A lives. Like it's, it's not about perfect, but it just fits in so many situations, like little pockets of joy, little nuggets of happiness. I would love to hear for you to, for you to share with us, like, where did that come from? That's that really great. Yeah. That's a really great question. Um, you know, you said in the intro about, you know, glass, I'm a glass half full kind of person right. and, you know, glass half full, silver lining pocket of joy um, that, you know, I'm a journalist, a writer. And so I, I write in word pictures. People seem that's what helps people connect yeah. when they can sort of visualize the right. concept you're talking from. Um, and so the book Pockets of Joy, Deciding to be Happy, Choosing to be Free is my memoir slash self-help book. I, I wrote a couple of years ago about a difficult transition hardship I experienced just as I had grabbed the brass ring, basically. You know, I had a, I built a home in the Burbs. I had a nanny show of a 745. I had two cars in the garage, a husband and a bouncing baby boy. And then the bottom falls out just as I land the job at the NBC affiliate in Minneapolis. And so now I'm a working divorced single mom going into work every day trying to keep my mascara from running on the five o'clock news. And how do you do that? By looking for those pockets of joy, those mm -hmm. fleeting moments when you feel like everything was going to be okay. And so during that stage where I was rebuilding my life, I write about how it was just the smallest, most incremental things that gave me hope that got me out of bed every morning to try again the fact that we ate, the fact that my kid was healthy, the fact that I had a job, that I was still drawing a paycheck, that the heat was still on. Uh, just, just grateful for the, as we mentioned earlier, the support of friends. Right. That was so key. Just somebody who would speak life into you and say they believed in you, that they kept going. And then you know, I write about all these miracles, basically, that happened to me, the people that supported me, that came to my aid when I needed help. The, You know, it truly does take a village to raise a child, from an antiquated 1980-90 phrase, but it's true. It's true. It, it takes a community, or probably a more updated uh, statement would be it, a tribe. I would, I found my tribe. And that's what we're talking about here, no matter the hardship, is to find your tribe and to ask for help. 
be willing to be vulnerable and admit that, hey, I, I don't know all the answers or I'm afraid or I'm scared or I've got a little anxiety. You know, finding those spaces in which we can be vulnerable and allow people to support us. I often think that, yeah, it's kind of another word picture is allow somebody else to wear the cape. Allow somebody else to be the superhero in your life because I think we all find joy in service and giving to others just as we like to serve and like someone to serve and give to us. But a lot, you know, I think sometimes when we're going through hardships, the tendency is to shut down and isolate and, and because we're afraid, because we're anxious, because we're embarrassed. And so the, t- the tendency is to isolate. And what got me through to those pockets of joy was the fact that I was willing to be vulnerable in very safe spaces with people that could support me and love me and help me, who wouldn't judge me and could get me, help me get myself back to a place that I needed to be. I, I just did a, a speaking event last night and I, you know, and I describe how, um, when I was in a really broken place, there was a friend of mine who came and, you know, she met me for coffee at the local coffee shop and we would sit there and the word picture again was she, she would sit and listen. And then I would just sort of spread all the broken pieces of my life out on the table, metaphorically speaking. And we'd examine them and we'd turn them over. And just by dialoguing and talking therapy and listening, she helped me sort of put those pieces, begin the process of putting those pieces back together. So it's finding your tribe is like the number one thing for me. I think another thing you said, I love the image of take the cape off and and hand it to somebody else. That's so important. Uh, you know, and, and I know when I've gone through my own hardship that you have these moments, I get it, where you don't want to burden anybody or you, you know, you just think you can do it on your own. Like, I get it. And maybe we all, we all do, but I encourage people like you to take, like hand over your cape to someone else. If nothing else, so many people in your life want to help out. They, and we, yes. And that is just, you know, whatever that hardship might be whether they know you've got it or not, when, when they do find out, it's their way of not feeling helpless in a situation. Exactly. It's their way of jumping in and trying to help you make your life to be where you want it to be. Exactly. One of the chapters in Pockets of Joy is service and generosity. And, and in that chapter, I talk about how during times of distress, you know, be it 9-11 or be it a natural disaster, you know, the, the news is filled with images of people coming to help because service and generosity is a coping mechanism that helps people stabilize during times of crisis. And service and generosity also produces joy. If you want to be happy, make somebody else happy. Yeah, and, right. and I think, and I, you know, for you and I, type A's, right? right. It's, it's, it is. It's taking off the cape and allowing somebody else to be a superhero in our lives. We don't have all the answers. And, and that's, that's a beautiful thing about human connection is that inviting other people into our lives, being vulnerable and authentic and inviting other people into our lives, not when everything is perfect and shiny, 
and our makeup is on, you know, but when we're in our most vulnerable state and allowing someone to help us, that's how those really long and lasting and deep human connections are formed. And that's what gets us through from hardship to happiness. Hmm, That's a catchy title. Somebody write a book about that. (laughs) Right. And and the alliteration is is so tight there, right? Happiness (laughs) to hardship. Uh, But I think we, we both speak to that is that absolutely right is is being able to be raw yeah with people you know whether yeah. it might be in you know you hear this saying of like there's you know friendships could go into in seasons as well mm-hmm. it's sometimes people are there for you it may not even be your best friend or a family member but you're open to sharing more with someone maybe who you just met and that person you become deeply connected with because you were so authentic because you Isn't were so that- real and isn't that interesting, you know, why, why people strike up conversations on the train or air, on airplanes or with total strangers? Could it be that we don't, because they don't know us, they can't judge us? And so if we feel like we're not being judged, we're more apt to open up? I, I would absolutely agree with that. Mm-hmm. So then it would re- stand to reason that if we can find people in our lives that who are non-judgmental, who love us just for who we are, you know, warts and all. You know, that is a really true gift. And, and more so, you know, if we can try to be that type of person in someone's life, to have and to be a good friend is right. what gets us through. And there's something to be said about if you are being that, then you will attract that. Right. right? Absolutely. Because other people will be drawn to you and then they will, they will be, you know, back to, to you with that the, as well. That's absolutely, you know, and there are some things... I've discovered that that foster that being a, a good friend and attracting good friends. And one of the things, you know, it's kind of a, a callback to my days as a television news reporter, and and that is listening. Um, you know, you I know you saw some of the work I did on the air when you were living here in Minneapolis, Karen. You know, and I had sort of had the reputation I could just crack anybody open in an interview. I could get anybody <laughs> to say anything in an interview, and it's like, how did she? do that? How did she get that sound? How did she get that interview? And it's, it's the same thing, um, that I talk about in, in building solid relationships and that's listening, listening to truly hear, just like the friend of mine who looked at the scattered pieces of my life and she listened. And then we started doing, we were able to start putting things back together again, but just if people feel heard, that forms connection. If people feel celebrated, that forms connection. If you remember birth dates or anniversaries or uh, something, a particular talent, you know, you know, a a marker, you know, you know, you have, you only have how many more chemo treatments left? You can, you got this, go, go, go. You know, if if you're invest, if you, if you remember some small detail about a person's life, you know, that fosters that kind of connection. And uh, you know, yeah. I believe that's true. I mean, especially during the hardship because people are hurting, people are stressed, whatever it might be, there's a lot of emotion going on. So that, you know, the listening, the thoughtfulness, I, I think is key. But it really, truthfully, truthfully, in any point of your life, you know, that's a, a great attribute and that's some great advice. At the end of the day, whether we're going through hardship or not, but particularly particularly during times of hardship, we all want the same exact thing. And that's to know that we matter. 
to know that we matter and the listening and the remembering and the, you know, the, the stepping in there, the acting for help, you know, I mean, I had a dear, dear cousin of mine, my, uh, my aunt, her mother passed away, um, a couple years ago. And, um, and so after the funeral, we were all, uh, we gathered together at one of our homes and we were just sitting there and, and visiting with out of town relatives and talking and everything like that, you know, and I, you know, the family's hurting and then the night went long and people started to disperse. They had, you know, jobs to get to the next morning and flights to catch and, this massive family support system that it had gathered together in this time of grief was starting to disband. And we all know that, you know, in mm. times of grief like that, it's, it's, it's the moment when everybody goes home that seems to be the hardest, that can be the hardest. And so my point is that, you know, people will say things at that time, call me if you need anything, yeah. let me uh-huh. know if you need anything. And I say, no, I say, that's not the thing to say. The thing to say is open up your, well, what I said, not to sound self-righteous, but I I said, go to your calendar, go exactly a month out and tell me which day of which week you're available for me to take you to lunch. I think. And And so, you know, we got a date on the calendar and one month later I met her for lunch and yes, she was, she was hurting more than she was whenever, you know, when we were all there. And so it became a a monthly thing that we did, then a weekly thing. And then we went for bike rides and walked and, um, and just, you know, went to the theater and, you know, just trying to be there for her in this, this moment of grief. And I could see her getting stronger and then she would, you know, reminiscing still moments, which of course she missed her parents terribly, but then there are moments also where she had very fond memories. So the point that I'm trying to make is to act, to act in the, the constructs of the relationship and, and give more than just lip service, you know, cook a meal and bring it over or watch the kids or mow the, the grass or I think it's uh, your run, run an errand. Yeah, the proactivity, you know, whether someone's dealing with, um, you know, the death of a loved one or they're going through, you know, disease or they're just having a lot of stress or a hard time in life. It's, you know, a lot of us, we want to be there. Call me if you need anything. It's it's meant they mean well. I'm sure they do. Yeah. But taking it, you know, a half a step further, which really is. Like you said, a few weeks later, a few days, whatever the relationship might be, is reaching out with no right. expectation, too. Like, you know, let's do lunch. Three weeks from now, I'm putting up my calendar. I'm going to follow up with you. But, hey, if you can't do it and you don't feel up to it, that's okay, too. Right? right? Yeah. Like, it, that's it, it, beautiful. It, right. It is taking it just a step forward. And I think what both of us are trying to say, and some people who say, call me if you need anything, they mean it sincerely. And what we're talking about here is intentionality. Right is doing things on purpose um, and with with good intent. That's what fosters those positive relationships and those positive connections. Now, tell us about you. What are you working on now that you're excited about or what is bringing you joy personally or professionally? Um, Personally, my, my son... You know, in the book, you meet him uh, when I'm at a Lamaze class and he's still in my uh-huh. tummy. <laughs> that's the beginning the book, of the book, right? That's the beginning of the book. And then at the end of the book, um, he uh, he graduates. So you so kind of his whole life. And so he's now 
He is now 26 years old, um, working a full-time job that he loves. Uh, he lives here in Minneapolis, uh, close to, you know, close by. Um, he comes over for Sunday supper. Uh, you know, we'll go grab coffee. He'll call me and talk about, you know, things he's thinking about with respect to his career. All of that indicative of this relationship that I was able to foster with him as he was growing up in the midst of my hardship. He still has an amicable co-parenting relationship with his father, uh, my ex-husband, and we all get along. And And I talk about how we were able to do that in the book. I talk about how we were able to put our adult differences aside and do what was best for our son. And so I'm just so happy that at this stage in my life that our son has become this productive, kind man who still has a loving, caring connection with both of his parents. So that just brings me great joy. I can hear it, your voice. <laughs> it always has, though. Anytime yeah. you brought him up, it's, he yeah. has been your you know, true love he, and he joy. Is, you, know, you, know, I mean, you know, the book had the TV career, not launched a robust speaking career, which I'm extremely excited about, uh, you know, but no, my son is my, my, um, my son is my greatest accomplishment. You know, I talk about some of the career opportunities I passed on, um, in the book, I talk about how I passed Mm -hmm. on some promotions and things for the sake of really trying to be available as a parent you know, no judgment on the people who make different decisions. We all work life balance means different things to different people at different times in their career. And that's all fine and well. For me, there was a time in my career where I really, really, really wanted to be available and have more time um, as a parent. And so I made some uh, rather unpopular decisions that I talk about. And so looking back, at the decisions I made, you know, a decade or so ago and to see how it all turned out now, I have no regrets. Well, that is amazing to have no regrets. I mean, you're yeah, grateful. No regrets. You're grateful. Um, which is the last, which is the second to the last chapter of the book is gratitude. Yeah. You know, you know, the scientists, neurologists say that if you say pick three things you're grateful for, for 21 days, at the end of the 21 days, you will have rewired your brain thanks to something called neuroplasty and you will be a happier person. Well, I will tell you that I, probably about a year ago, I heard some information at a presentation about this subject matter. And so I came home and I said to my son, who at the time was, you know, nine and a half years old, I said, every night before we go to bed, we're going to talk about what we're grateful for. And he jumped on board because he's the type of kid that you tell him to go to bed. And, you know, of course, there's five million Mm -hmm. other things to talk about or to do, even Mm -hmm. though the hours earlier I spent with him, he probably said three words. So he was really excited to embrace this. So now every night, almost every night, As I'm putting him to bed, we lie there and we do what's called the grateful game because, of course, he's 11 and he wants to be competitive. And so I was hoping that you might play this with me. Okay. All right. So here's what we do. So when Kyle and I play it, we give ourselves two minutes or uh, we'll throw out a certain number. In this case, we'll say a minute and I'll kick it off. And what we do is we talk about what we're grateful for, but not just it's not just meant to list out. 
you know, he could list out the first five things he thinks of that he's grateful for, but I want to know why. And so I'll do the same. So I'll give myself a minute. We'll see how many I go through and then I'll toss it to you. And it can be anything. Like sometimes Kyle and I will talk about our day. What are we grateful for on our day? Or, you know, maybe we'll pick another topic that we might be grateful for. So I am going to kick it off. Okay. And I will say, so here's my minute. I will say, what am I grateful for? Well, we've been talking tonight about, you know, your former employer, which was an NBC affiliate. And that reminds me of the show that I have been watching pretty much since the eighth greatest days of our lives on NBC. I am grateful that that show is still on because sometimes at night when I can't fall asleep, uh, it's on demand now. So I will, you know, catch the end of an episode and it's amazing how many characters back from childhood are still in that show. So I am grateful. Thank you very much. Days of our lives. Um, Number two, I am grateful for the endive salad I had at dinner. (laughs) I am so thankful that I just decided to pick some, you know, other random foods this week at the grocery store. And I'm grateful for the endive because I made a really delicious salad uh, that was, you know, just kind of tasted different and it was full of nutrients. So I feel good about that. And it looks like I'm coming upon a minute. And so I just have two. Um, so I will throw it to you. Let us know what you're grateful for. Okay. I'm grateful. For, okay. I'm grateful for the wing bar at Kowalski's, which is a local grocery store here in Minneapolis. The they wing visit, bar? Tell the me about wing that. bar. It's a wing bonanza. I oh mean, my they have, goodness. They have buffalo chicken wings, lemon pepper wings, cowby sticky wings, boneless wings, ginger wings. Wow. And, you know, right. I mean, and so I'm, I don't eat meat every day. But when I do eat That's meat, it. I'm at the wing bar. You're going to get people man. to move to the Twin Cities now, <laughs> having a wing bar. I'm grateful for the wing bar. Number two, what am I grateful for? I'm grateful for kombucha. Oh, my gosh. I, I love kombucha, okay. too. Oh, my God. What's your favorite right? flavor? Ginger and grapefruit. Okay? okay. Ginger and grapefruit. It's like, can they really do this? Can they, can they make this and like, this is, and it's good for you, Yeah, you know, because right. if the you look at all the pro and the acid, the acidity, right. I mean, it's just like, it's like kimchi or sauerkraut or pickles. Right. It's all fermented food, right? It's all fermented. And we need a little fermentation right. in our system. Right. So, but like kombucha, like soda pop, that's like, it's got a little bit of alcohol in it too. Bonus, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm like, it's I'm from very, the fermentation process. No one's going to uh, get like tipsy from it, but yes, um, I'm so excited that <laughs> You are grateful for hungu- for kombucha. I am. I am. I'm. I'm most grateful for kombucha. And then, lastly, I guess it's got to be food category. I was at Nordstrom's at their coffee bar. They have a gourmet coffee bar. I didn't know what to order. I was on assignment, so I just thought I'd just like pick something because I haven't had coffee in months. It was okay. the first cup of coffee I had in months, and I ordered this Italian mocha espresso drink. Ooh. Okay, and they made it with gourmet coffee, and then and because I don't do dairy, yeah, except butter, Almond, yeah. I had it. I had them make it with coconut milk. Oh, coconut milk, right? I, I had an Italian mocha made with coconut milk at a gourmet coffee bar, and I took one sip of it, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? Is this allowed?" Can they do this? <laughs> this is amazing. So it was so good. And tell was, me though, could was, you sleep later? It was amazing. Well, you know, it was a long night. That's why I don't do coffee. Right. But it was worth it because it was one of the most delicious cups of coffee I ever had oh. so much so that it's, it made my gratitude list. All right. Well, I'm so happy. Well, 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful that one, that we're still connected most importantly, but I I really appreciate you coming on, letting um, the listeners here get to know you a little bit, share your wisdom and hopefully, you know, if they haven't already check out Roxanne's book, you will feel like, you know, her. you will feel like a part of the family or at least a good friend. You'll learn a lot of lessons and, you know, check her out. She's on social media as well. Uh, I I find it always fun when I get to see pictures of what you're doing, the speaking engagements, the book signings, whatever it might be. That's Roxanne Battle and Roxanne is spelled with one N, Roxanne Battle. And that's Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And then the book is and LinkedIn. And the book is called Pockets of Joy, Deciding to be Happy, Choosing to be Free. And that's available on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com and on my website, roxannebattle.com. And speaking of books, Karen, congratulations on being a published author. Oh, on you. you know, happiness, hardship. Is your, and, and I wish you every good thing on your journey. You are an inspiration to me with your verve and optimism and fortitude and stick-to-itiveness and perseverance. You are a joy and a light. And it's just been a pleasure reconnecting with you after all these years. And who would have thunk that after all this time, we'd have an opportunity to sit and visit with each other like this. It's just been a delight. It has been. It's amazing. And I feel like we could continue for hours and hours and hours because we've always we've always had this where we could talk about so many different subjects mm-hmm. and we could get to the root of, you know, again, being real with each other. And so... We were in a few different seasons with each other, and I'm glad now that, you know, the light has brought us back together. The light has brought us back together. If you want to find the joy, those pockets of joy, head toward light. And I will end with a few of your words, because as I was going through the book, I read it, you know, probably two years ago. But you say in the beginning, to this day, I still believe that even in the midst of the muck and the mess we call life, joy can still be found. And so with that, everybody, I want to say, you know, hopefully you'll you know, get off this podcast, maybe take a moment and think to yourself, what is something today that you can do that will bring you joy and go do it? Simple, little things like watching Days of Our Lives, <laughs> right? Or, drink, or, or drinking, drinking kombucha. kombucha. Or order, ordering an Italian mocha. Right. Or calling yeah. an old friend that you haven't spoken to in so long. Yeah. Sending a text message. Whatever it might be, you know, please, you know, do something today that will bring you a little bit of joy. So I'm going to say bye for now. Thank you again, Roxanne. Thank you, Karen. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And now my parting words. We play the grateful game at the end of this episode in the first few, and here's why. After my second diagnosis, I started to research who was thriving with cancer and what they were doing to be well. I learned that wellness is about consistent self-care creating everyday practices that help improve your body and mind toward a state of good health. And for me, focusing on gratitude brings tremendous positive energy into my life. With all that being said, on today's episode, Roxanne and I laughed over food we used to appreciate. By the way, it wasn't necessarily the healthy ones. From vending room snacks to her homemade mac and cheese. 
We also share a common love of the healthiest drink, kombucha. It seems fitting as we celebrated food that I will share first with all of you that my Simple Healthy Snacks and Smoothies ebook will be released July 1st. However, if you sign up today for our newsletter, we will email you a copy for free. Just go to prettywellness.com backslash Roxanne, and that's R-O-X-A-N-E, or prettywellness.com backslash cookbook after July 1st, 2020. If you're looking for more healthy living tips, please follow me on Instagram at prettywellness, on Facebook, or at prettywellness.com. These are our platforms about taking small steps toward better health. And if you know someone recently diagnosed with cancer or are their caregiver, the book titled The Same as This Podcast, Happiness Through Hardship, is available where books are sold and on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Please remember to subscribe and rate the Happiness Through Hardship podcast and tune in every Wednesday for new episodes. Sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.